Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of March 23rd, 2021, and this is officially episode number 472, and this is your host, as always, Dr. Brian D. Parsons, and we are live on the Paranormal King radio network at ParanormalKing.com, and welcome, everybody, from uh, chat and beyond, wherever you're at, uh, if you're listening live, here on Tuesday night, March 23rd, well, welcome, and if you're not, well, welcome anyway. Uh, either way, that's why I talk about it uh, being for the week, because I know not everybody can listen live, and a lot of people listen during the week, and if you do, I appreciate that, no matter what you're listening uh, to the show on as a uh, podcast. I like doing the stuff live, though. Anyway... Uh, this week, we got news from all over the world, from, uh, let's see, Scotland, Mexico, Russia, uh, back to the United Kingdom, and uh, I don't know, we'll kind of ro roll, the, roll the globe around and see where we land today here on the show. Uh, one thing that I want to talk about real quick is the conferences and conventions page, which... Uh, Again, I'm very tentative on updating or uh, making any sort of announcements with things because it, things are still up in the air. People are uh, getting really antsy to get back out into the uh, into the general public, I guess, getting getting around other people and having parties and just uh, being social creatures that we are. We want to be in larger groups or groups, period. And a lot of people are, are tired of wearing masks and um being safe and all these other things i noticed that people don't care about washing their hands too much anymore so a lot of things are going to the wayside and a lot of people are wanting to get back to normal whatever that's going to be from here on out but you know be careful take your time um this stuff is still going around and you know when the things heat up people want to get out and people want to go do things but you, you got to be careful and uh, you never know how things are going to fluctuate here in the United States with these conferences and conventions, what states are going to allow or not allow, or flip the switch to say yes, and then maybe a, a month later say, whoa, whoa, we need to slow things down a little bit. You never know. Uh, but one event that's going on this week, the Oregon Ghost Conference, it's uh, not exactly what they had wanted it to be, but it's a, uh, a mostly virtual event. Uh, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, they got all kinds of things going on uh, all week long, uh, March 21st through the 28th. And originally, I think that was only supposed to be uh, the 26th through the 28th, but they, they've been doing stuff all week long. And you can find more information at OregonGhostConference.com if you're in the Seaside, Oregon area, or you just want to uh, check out what they've got online. You're bored, got your fill of uh, the paranormal news this week, I don't know, uh, to each their own. And that's pretty much it. That's all I have for the events for uh, pretty much March, and that's it. And uh, then, of course, April is usually a, a pretty big month for the, the paranormal conference scene. And we got a few here and there, so we'll wait till the calendar flips, which is, man, that's coming up quick, isn't it? Jeez, next week. Uh, next Thursday is, uh, oh boy, one day of the year that I dread when you're talking about uh, the paranormal, uh, April Fool's Day. But that's uh, been pretty tame. I think last year they kind of, uh, they had a kind of unwritten rule like, hey, you know, we've had a rough year. Let's not get carried away with stuff. Uh, we'll see how that happens this year. Probably a bunch of lame products from like McDonald's and stuff and I don't know. We'll see. We'll cross that bridge. But that's usually, well, that's going to be after next week's show. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. So, yeah, this week, yeah, we got baseball coming up. Listen to the game 
Uh, Cleveland got uh, clobbered by San Francisco today, 7 to nothing. Listen to that game on the way home from work. Uh, it doesn't count. It doesn't count. None of it counts right now, but uh, next week it will. Getting excited about that. Uh, don't have any tickets to go to games yet. I don't think I'm there at that point, but uh, still excited to get the uh, baseball season underway. Uh, but let's get the show underway. What do you say about that? Uh, so we'll kick it off with, uh, as we always do, cryptid news. And yes, we're going to Jolly Scotland to kick things. Are they jolly? Out there, or is that just the North Pole? I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, what's big in Scotland? Of course, the Loch Ness Monster. And uh, it's the end of March, and now the Loch Ness Monster has its fourth official sighting for 2021. It's probably still really cold over there uh, in Scotland. I think it's cold all year, I think. I think the average, I think it only gets up to like 45 in Scotland. I don't know. No, I'm lying. It gets warmer than that, but uh, it just seems cold to me. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, the fourth time in 2021, we'll see uh, how many sightings the Loch Ness Monster can generate this year. That's the big question. Uh, even though uh, we've had a lot of stories the last couple of years that have pretty much pulled the plug uh, on the, the whole creature thing. But, you know, the legend lives on. The legend is bigger than anything that science can ever you know, prove or or throw at the believers out there. And again, and again, it generates a lot of money for the area. So, of course, there's a little bit of an investment in this creature. So this witness claims to have seen two black shapes rising up and then splashing down about 10 feet apart. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um and the sighting, of course, came near the Urquhart Castle area, which it seems like it always does. Well, there's a reason for that. And it comes from a familiar name, Ian O'Fadigan, yes? The famous Ian O'Fadigan, who seems like he has, I don't know how many sightings a year. Uh, he had a bunch last year, I think three or four last year. Right in the beginning of the year. Same as this year. So uh, O'Fadigan has, uh, this is his 12th official sighting since 2017. And of course, official meaning uh, it's documented in the official Loch Ness Monster Sightings Register. Yes, that does exist. And uh, he uh, claims that on his very first trip to the Loch back in 1987, he saw a large mottled brown hump in the water as his first sighting. Granted, that wasn't an official sighting, of course. Uh, doesn't make the registry, but I think he leads, I think he's got the most sightings of anybody. And, uh, you know, it sounds amazing. Saw these large black humps come out of the water. You may say, wow, you know, did he have a camera on him? Did he have a uh, uh, another witness? Did he... Uh, Gosh, did he shoot a harpoon? What, you know, what happened here? Uh, well, it does sound amazing, and it sounds really exciting. But unfortunately, it came from a webcam. A uh, webcam perched up on a hill. Uh, looks like it's like five miles away from the lock. And, of course, smeared with jelly is the lens uh, with the potato, as a lot of people always say. Yeah, it's not very good. And uh, if you haven't seen it, I'll post a picture in the chat room. Uh, you can go to uh, paranormalking.com or paranewsinsider.com, and you'll find the uh, link to chat. Listen in. So there in the chat room is the uh, the feed off of YouTube. And the sheep are blurry. You can't even see the sheep. And they're a lot closer than the lock is. And if you look, you can barely see what he's talking about. It's there, but you can hardly see it. Without a red circle, you're probably going to have a hard time finding it. It's pretty much right in the center of the water area, right in front of, right in the center of the camera area. So 
yeah, if you don't see it and you have to draw a red circle, come on. How, how are you telling me that you're seeing large black shapes that are 12 feet and 10 feet apart and all that? How, how do you know? I don't get it. Ah, it's just so disappointing. So, yeah, you can barely make out the sheep a few hundred feet away, let alone anything else on the water. I mean, yes, there's probably no boats, but uh, you, you can't say there's no waterfowl out there or maybe a deer crossing or uh, fish splashing. You, you can't really tell. It's so far away, and you can't zoom in on it. It gets really pixelated. So I, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, and it really and truly, I've watched it a few times. You know, I, I want to believe. I really do. Uh, but this camera is bad. Is really bad. And that's that's a clear shot of that too. It's it's uh I think they smear it with petroleum jelly. And this is why this is one of the reasons why the Loch Ness monster will live forever, because people can see shapes or things moving and they automatically assume it's the Loch Ness monster. And again, I've watched it a few times and what I think he's seeing now, what I think Ian is seeing is uh, just basically camera artifacts or maybe even the uh, the product of wind on the lock. Either way, if you don't really know what it is, you can't rightly say it's the Loch Ness Monster. It's just uh, there's too many things going on. And I would say that uh, common sense would be up there at the top uh, before this being some weird sea creature or lock lake creature i guess um no I, I think there's some other common sense approaches we should be taking first now, i don't think you can really see or make out anything of what's out there granted uh, he provides a very detailed story on what he feels he observed and, and this is really convincing here uh, he says quote a black shape broke the surface with a wake it was moving slowly, but was causing a lot of water agitation around it. Two black hump-like shapes seemed to be popping up and down as it cut through the surface on the lock. The object is viewed for one minute, 41 seconds. After this, it just disappeared. There was no boat activity on the lake at the time of the sighting, unquote. So, yeah. That's why it's uh, it's got to be the Loch Ness Monster. And you know, I've always questioned this. You know, why is this camera so far away, so far up in the hill? I think it's because of that uh, appears to be private property down below, and I, I think this is off of a road that goes around the lock. And um, I don't know why they wouldn't spring for a better camera, but you do get a, a good glimpse of a large portion of Loch Ness, uh, but it's, it's really not good for, good for finding these creatures. I, I think you're going to have to kind of narrow down or zoom in on the section that's closest. You're not going to see something that's way off there to the left or way in the distance. I, I think if you concentrate on a, on a chunk or maybe a couple of cameras, break this thing up and zoom in a little bit. But again, that's why this lives on. That's why people continue to, to believe. And I think the, the ambiguity is by design so that people will continue to see these little camera artifacts and interpret it as a large creature jumping 25 feet out of the water, splashing around, eating fish, doing I don't know what else they claim this, this creature does, but I didn't see it at all. And I watched this thing for, you know, a few times. I, I don't get it. Uh, but I think that that's why they, they don't care. Just perch this thing on a hill and let people see what they think they want to see. And and that's it. So, I don't know. Uh, but uh, it's usually about this time of the year when uh, people are starting to get out there and they're starting to look around. And, and hopefully we'll start getting some actual sightings. Instead of these camera things. Uh, but who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah, I don't think the Loch Ness Monster will ever die. I think it's, uh, you know, 100 years from now, people still have the same sightings, the same claims. I don't know. It's never going to end. Uh, yeah, who published the story? Well, take a guess. Yeah, one of the, um, I don't know what you call them, the uh, Daily Star, which is one of the trio of 
United Kingdom newspapers that uh, large grain of salt with any of these stories, but uh, it is on the official website of the uh, the registry. So eh, I knew it happened. But uh, yeah, Daily Star, they'll publish pretty much anything. Uh, actually, it's in a lot of different websites. Now I'm looking at my uh, my links. It's uh, Bro Bible, and there's a handful of them. But yeah, they all pretty much came. Um, well, a few of them came from Scotland, so it might have started there. But of course, if they hit those other ones, then everybody reports on these sightings, and it's it's a definite click. Everyone's going to click on the story in the uh, United Kingdom. Everybody wants to hear about the Loch Ness Monster, so it's an easy sell. You're going to sell a lot of advertising space if you publish a, a story about Loch Ness, of course. It's easy money. <sighs> and uh, I was kind of shocked when I, when I saw this. I, I thought this was a new story, but somehow, some way, I missed this. And this, this story is also from the, the Daily Star, uh, but there's also other... Um, they might, you know, they might have been the only one to print this, and everyone else has copied it from what I'm seeing here. But uh, it comes from a news source somewhere in Mexico. This is a story. I don't know how I missed it, but it, I missed it. Uh, it came out about uh, three weeks ago. I'm a little late to the punch on this, uh, but I've noticed that uh, it's also been popping up recently on a lot of other paranormal news sites, and uh, popped up in some news feeds of mine that I have out there dredging through the internet to find the stories that are that are buried uh, on the internet. And uh, the story involves a pretty cool creature. Um, I would think the Loch Ness Monster might have a, a better chance of existing than this one. But this one is pretty similar because this one is born out of uh, kind of... Uh, historical things and it's uh it does survive instead of on its legacy it survives on fear and that's kind of what's happening right now in mexico and that creature is none other than a puerto rico's own chupacabra and everyone else has adopted the chupacabra uh again came came out of puerto rico but um you know texas has all kinds of chupacabra settings and we've seen them uh, all over the United States about uh, three, four years ago was a big thing. People were seeing these uh, chupacabra all over the place. Uh, but now uh, this is a, a really interesting incident. And there's been four separate attacks on uh, livestock. And it's taken the lives of 18 sheep. Now each sheep has had uh, neck or other facial wounds. And uh, some of them weren't killed. Some of them were just injured. And these creatures were not eaten. Or I should say creatures, uh, sheep. I guess they are creatures. Uh, but the sheep were not eaten or consumed in any way. They were just killed or maimed uh, on the neck or on the face. Um, and said the vets have ruled out natural gnome predators. Of course they have. Of course, they have. Sells the story. Uh, since the bite marks are not consistent with known animals in the region. So these attacks began on Christmas Day of 2020 on a ranch in the state of Veracruz in south central Mexico. Uh, so this is, uh, if you're looking at a map, it's on the southwest portion of the Gulf of Mexico. So just imagine that. You know how uh, Mexico is like a little boot? Well, this is on the the top part of the boot, well, not the top part of the boot, but like on your, before your toes, I guess. I don't know what that's called. Um, so, yeah, uh, Christmas Day. And let's see, uh, other attacks followed on December 28th, January 12th, and February 21st. I don't know if these uh, chupacabra are keeping a calendar or what. Uh, but, yeah, the animals were killed. But then we're not eaten. Uh, so hunting for sport. Uh, no news on if they were drained of blood. Obviously, they're going to bleed uh, from uh, being cut open. Uh, but it's interesting that they weren't eaten. Not too many animals do that for fun. 
Uh, the vets said that, again, no known predator did this due to the bite marks, like I mentioned. And uh, in the story, they list coyote, bat. Now they got some big bats down there, fruit bats. Listen, they're huge. I mean, some of the photos that you've seen of them are a little misleading. Now, it's forced perspective, so they have the bat out in front of the person that you're looking at. So they, the bat looks a lot bigger, but they are still pretty big. Uh, I don't think they're going to tear apart a sheep. They're big, but they're not that big, and they don't. Uh, most of them are fruit bats. They don't eat sheep. Uh, also, they also list uh, dog and lynx. It's curious, so that they don't mention mountain lions. I guess you call them puma, or jaguars for that matter. Uh, jaguars would definitely be in that area. Uh, these kind of big cats, uh, especially mountain lions, have been known to hunt for sport. And a young male may kill just to hone his skills. Now, this, some of the pictures that I've seen, they're kind of gory. They're blurred out because of the gore, I guess. I'm, I'm kind of mad about that. I want to actually see these pictures because then I can I can kind of maybe get an idea uh, of this. Uh, you know, I've studied the predation methods of uh, the big cats of North America, so... I, you know, I might be able to figure this out too, or at least lend, you know, my own personal theories for myself. Uh, but it looks like some of these, uh, they're bit on the front of the neck, which is not something that uh, mountain lions would do. But uh, sometimes jaguars do this. Um, and the way sheep act, you know, they don't run away like a lot of smart animals do. Sometimes they will turn and try to defend themselves. And if one of these large cats were to come up to one and they turn around, well, they're going to get bit on the front, not on the back of the neck. Generally, a mountain lion or a jaguar is going to grab you by the back of the neck. You're never going to see it coming, especially with the mountain lion. Uh, they're ambush predators. They're going to get you, snap the back of your neck. You'll never even know it's coming. You never even know what happened. The, the lights go out. Everything goes black. And um, they drag you up a tree. Uh, which that didn't happen here. And again, they, they didn't consume anything. So that would also uh, help determine what creature was the predator here. Uh, so if you don't know, you can't figure it out, well, blame the chupacabra, I guess. That's the easy way out. And of course, I'm sure there are a lot of farmers are out there with pitchforks. And uh, I don't know what else you carry. Uh, out there looking for this creature. Uh, as it, it is said that locals are remaining on the lookout in hopes of capturing the creature. Uh, they'll probably kill it and parade it around town, whatever it might be, uh, to keep it from killing any more animals. But who knows? Who knows? Um, I mean, mountain lions get a lot of bad press. Uh, I read recently that uh, Idaho is going to open up allowing people to kill more and more mountain lions. Somebody wants them in their states. Uh, but, you know, if uh, people are amazed, the people from California come out to Ohio, and they're amazed at how deer just run across roads, and their their cars are hitting them in, in record numbers. Uh, but you don't see as much. You do see it out there in California. But uh, mountain lions help control deer population uh, they help control elk population that makes them behave differently uh, i'm all for it here in ohio but uh, ohio depends on uh, hunting licenses and things like that and i don't think you're going to see a lot of people going out of the woods if they know that there's a uh, 120 pound ambush predator potentially hunting them instead of them hunting something else uh Personally, I think it kind of uh, levels the playing field a little bit, in my opinion. I mean, that, that makes hunting interesting instead of um, pouring a bunch of corn on the ground for 30 days and then sitting up in a tree and just pulling a trigger. Uh, I mean, an, a five-year-old could do that. Uh, to me, that's not hunting, but uh, that's just my opinion. Uh, but uh, yeah, mountain lions are appearing in uh, pretty record numbers all over the place, and causing a lot of problems in California, uh, scaring people all up and down the, the West Coast of the United States. And um, it's, you know, I keep 
I keep hoping that it's just a matter of time till they make their way uh, eastward. But you get states like Idaho, um, South Dakota that they have uh, breeding populations of, and other states know that these mountain lions are coming from that area. And I, I think that these states are a little afraid of getting uh, getting in trouble. So they're uh, controlling, trying to control that population themselves, which that actually doesn't work. Uh, it's been duly noted by a lot of scientists that study mountain lions that you go on a gun crazy and start killing these things. Uh, the males don't learn how to hunt. The males don't learn to stay away from people. And that's why they end up in roaming around downtown areas like Chicago, uh, like New York City, and other places where they shouldn't be because uh, they're, you're killing the parents. The parents can't raise these cats. And, you know, you do that enough, and they, they kind of lose that that fear of people. Uh, although, you know, we're still hunting and killing them. Uh, but... You know, I don't, I don't know. I love mountain lions, but who knows what's killing these sheep? And of course, February 21st, not too long ago, haven't heard much from this story, but sometimes these uh, stories in Mexico just they take a while to get out for some reason. I don't know why, but uh, we'll keep our ears peeled for more information on the Chupra Cabra. And. From there, we're going to jump into UFO news. A lot of weird stuff happening in UFO news. Of course, that's not the uh, that's not always been the case. But uh, last year was a pretty big year in UFOs. It seems like it comes in in spurts. Like you'll have two or probably two or three years of great UFO news, and like nothing for a little while. And we're in the middle of uh, probably some of the best UFO news we've had in a long time. Uh, other than the you know your average hoaxes like the Jerusalem UFO hoax and uh, stuff like that, but uh, most of the news, believe it or not, is coming from politicians instead of the researchers, uh, instead of the organizations like MUFON or Newfork. Well, Newfork has probably been in the news a lot more than MUFON, as uh, I kind of talked about. I think last week I was another one of my. Soapbox moments, uh, but more hot air coming from the political world about UFOs here in the United States. And this story comes from the Washington Examiner, if you're uh, taking notes. Um, so, yeah, UFOs, or should I say UAPs? Seems like they kind of backed off on that. I see a lot, of, lot more stories lately with UFOs instead of UAPs. Uh, John Ratcliffe who served as director of national intelligence under former president Donald Trump, was recently asked by Maria Bartiromo on Fox News what he knows about UFOs. Or again, UAPs, whatever, to each his own. Uh, so he said, quote, there are a lot more sightings than have been made public. Some of these uh, have been declassified. And when we talk about sightings, we're talking about objects that have been seen by Navy or Air Force pilots or have been picked up by satellite imagery that frankly engage in actions that are difficult to explain. Movements that are hard to replicate that we don't have the technology for or traveling at speeds that exceed the sound barrier without a sonic boom, unquote. So uh, basically what you're saying is uh, you guys have observed or recorded objects that have broken the laws of physics. Now, that's uh, an interesting statement. And uh, every time there's some sort of uh, potential leak or some potential story that's going to come out, of course, we have all these little uh, tidbit stories that pop up here and there like popcorn and, of course, this one here has to do with the deadline for the Pentagon to disclose information about UFOs set in motion by the COVID-19 relief legislation. Now, that legislation in, inserted in there was uh, an 180-day countdown for the defense secretary and director of national intelligence 
to present to the Congressional Intelligence and Armed Services Committees what the U.S. government knows about UFOs. That's right. Disclosure. The D word. The UFO world. Disclosure. Uh, Ratcliffe says uh, officials are always looking for plausible explanations, but notes that sometimes there doesn't seem to be. He said, quote, weather can cause disturbances, visual disturbances. Sometimes we wonder whether or not our adversaries have technologies that are a little bit further down the road than what we thought or that we realized. Uh, but there are instances where we don't have good explanations for some of the things that we have seen, unquote. So we kind of go from things that break the laws of physics, things that sound like alien-controlled craft now to potentially uh, craft from other nations that are uh, breaching our airspace or you know just are, are you know mingling with navy craft out there in the oceans that we're observing uh, maybe uh, maybe it is earthly stuff that they're seeing now personally I just think that they're misidentification but that's just me uh, he also states that there are a lot more cases that have not been released to the public that he hopes will soon. So of these, he says, quote, uh, some of those have been declassified. And we, when we talk about sightings, we are talking about objects that have been seen by Navy or Air Force pilots or have been picked up. Uh, actually, I already read that part. Sonic booms. Yeah, I already read that one. I put that in there twice. Anyway. I just find that fascinating that uh, I want to see this engaging in actions that are difficult to explain movements that are hard to replicate traveling at speeds that exceed the sound barrier without a sonic boom. How is that possible? How do they know that? How do they know there's no sonic boom? They have to be traveling with these objects or intercepting them or something. There's got to be more to that story. Uh, unfortunately, we've got time basically have until uh, June 1st. And who knows? Uh, you know, they make it sound like uh, when the time frame hits, the United States is just going to, like, throw a bunch of pages out there and go, okay, here, here it is. Everybody can read all these. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think we're going to get spoon-fed some more uh, of these uh, stories, like the, uh, the, the three that were released uh, last, well, it's been years now. Uh, that were af made official last year from the government. <sighs> you know, those were just kind of spoon-fed to us. And it was, you know, just they just kind of threw it out there to see, I think, just to see what the reaction by the general public would be. I really do. And um, I don't think they really have much, much more than that. Uh, but I do believe that there's uh, some more videos, some more cases, some more information that we have that uh, hopefully is a little bit better than the ones we've, uh, the three that we've seen so far. And I just want to know how they've estimated all this stuff with the speeds and the, and the sonic boom. How do they measure that? And you know, with the intercepting these craft. Uh, but again, yeah, between now and June. And uh, I think the other part of it too is I, I think the information that's going to be coming out uh, is probably going to actually, in all honesty, just my opinion. I think it's going to create more questions than it actually provides answers. That's just kind of how I see it. I don't think we're going to get a lot of information. Uh, that disclosure that we're looking for, that the government says, hey, here's everything we know. Here's the, here's the paperwork. Go ahead and sift through it. Um, I think a lot of people out there, and I've said this before, I think a lot of people give the government way too much credit uh, people are, are claiming that they've worked on reverse engineered craft and that we have all this technology. We've got aliens uh, in, a, in a freezer somewhere out there in, in New Mexico, maybe in Ohio. I don't know. Uh, but I don't think that's the case. I really don't think that they know as much as what we think they know. I think they're just as lost and, and desperate for answers as the rest of us. But again, that's just the way I see it. And... Uh, but you know, hopefully I'm wrong, and hopefully they do have some information that can um, really lead us in that direction, that maybe there's some aircraft out there that's uh, 
piloted by people not of this earth. But, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of that is spun for uh, for for people to uh, to click on these things or to, to think about these uh, stories. But I really think that the bigger fear for me is the possibility that uh, other countries have technology that we can't match or that we're not uh, aware of. Well, that to me is a little scarier. And if the government's admitting that, that's even even more and more scary that uh, they're admitting that, hey, we don't know how they get these crafts to, to fly at this speed and, and uh, have not quite the sonic boom that we would expect or no sonic boom, which is, as far as we know, it's impossible. Uh, or to move, have these movements. Granted, uh, obviously it wouldn't be piloted by people, probably be just machines, uh, you know, large-scale drones or something. But um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see uh, between now and June. But again, I'm not holding my breath. Not expecting much. I don't. You don't know how much information is going to be transparent. How much it's going to be redacted. Uh, now they're supposed to. It's not going to be unclassified. So there's so there's still maybe some classified information, but uh, we should get hopefully more information about some other sightings or other cases or other instances where people have uh, seen things. And, of course, that's supposed to be transparent anyway from what we heard last year. But, again, they kind of just uh, drag it along and get us all salivating over what might be. And, of course, people talk about this and they debate it and they, they wonder what's real, what's not real. And, of course people are always going to debate these things. Some people believe, some people don't want to believe. And then again, people might want to wonder if we are invaded by aliens, who's going to help out? Who's going to be the one that's going to guide us in the direction that we don't kill ourselves or that we all hide in our basements? How are we going to get through that? So you might've seen, you might've stumbled across a headline in the last few days uh, that read something like this, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, first choice to lead Earth against aliens. That was my favorite one. Arnold Schwarzenegger, first choice to lead Earth against aliens. I don't know, he's kind of old now. Maybe if he was, uh, you know, the 80s Schwarzenegger, you know, the commando Schwarzenegger. Uh, you know, if he, maybe if he teamed up with uh, uh, Stallone. You know, Rambo Stallone sounds like the Expendables at this point, but yeah, I don't know about now. Did he get knocked down by some old guy a couple of years ago? I don't, I don't know. So uh, that headline and a lot of other headlines have surfaced uh, about aliens, about what people think or feel or their opinions about aliens, because yes, another poll has been released. Uh, a very unscientific poll, let me preface that, uh, conducted by one poll, and this was in preparation for Blaze TV and their extraterrestrial week. That sounds pretty cool. We get Shark Week here in the United States. Why do we not get an extraterrestrial week, or do we? I don't know. I don't remember seeing that. Yeah, Hulk Hogan, that would be a great one in his prime. Did he ever have a prime? I always thought he was old in the 80s. And he's still kind of sort of wrestling, if you call that wrestling. Uh, Blaze TV, if you're not aware of it, it's a UK channel that is owned and operated by A&E Networks. And it's billed as a channel with news and entertainment for people who love America. Uh, I mean, we're all about aliens, Pawn Stars, Storage Wars, Mountain Men, all the other shows that are on that network. Uh, Blaze TV. Uh, the poll has done its job by getting a lot of attention on the topic. I saw a lot of different headlines, a lot of newspapers covering this all over the world. Not too many here in the U.S., but uh, that's kind of how we are. We're kind of uh, looking at ourselves more than we are everything else. 
Uh, the poll. So it shows 56% of Brits believe intelligent life exists beyond Earth. That's pretty impressive, but I, I don't know if, you know, they mean complex life or microbial life. They don't really break that down. And of course, again, this is not scientific because this is about an extraterrestrial week. So, of course, people who believe in extraterrestrials are more than likely than other people who don't to answer these questions. And uh, I believe, I think it was 2,000 people were interviewed for this, asked for their opinions. And so, yeah, 56% of Brits believe intelligent life exists beyond Earth. 26% of people think alien life exists in our solar system. And they don't ask where. Like it's on the, what, the moon of Mars? One of those moons? Or Jupiter? I don't know. Where the water is. Uh, definitely not on Mars. It's pretty desolate. Um... 33% of people believe aliens could already be living alongside humans. Now, I know a few people that I think I could peel their masks off. Maybe I'll try that. No, probably not a good move. I'll end up in jail probably. But 33% of people believe that aliens are walking amongst us right now. Those reptilians, I guess. Is that what they're called? I think somebody's watched V too many times. Uh, on visiting Earth, 30% believe intelligent aliens would visit Earth for scientific research. That's that's a hopeful amount. 30%. They're just going to come like E.T. and uh, pick a couple flowers and wave. Maybe pluck a deer or a cow on their way out. And... Uh, Goodbye, people of Earth. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the food. Thanks for the plants. We're here to conduct uh, scientific research, uh, but we got to go back. Thirty uh, percent, but fifty-two percent are fearful that the visit would be for an invasion. Of course, uh, you know I think we've been raised on that. You know, you look at all the movies that are about anything to do with about aliens. And an overwhelming majority of them are about invasions. They're about uh, aliens who are bad coming to Earth doing stuff. I mean, look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The entire um, four first three phases were all about aliens coming here and uh, causing trouble. Blowing up New York City. Uh, blowing up Sokovia, wherever that's at. And just wreaking havoc. And you can go back all the way into the 30s. Uh, even before that, 1930s, even before that, about alien invasion movies and books, uh, it's always been the theme. I guess it's it's a fear that we have that maybe somebody out there is a little smarter than we are, a little tougher than we are. It's always somebody tougher. Uh, but yeah, 52% are fearful that's going to happen. 31% believe it's necessary for the UK government to set up a dedicated task force for dealing with potential extraterrestrial threats. I'd love to be on that task force. Sign me up. Uh, give me a budget. Give me an office. Uh, give me a, a view of, the, of a river or something. And uh, I'll do my best. I'll come up with some great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, there's a lot of things you got to consider. You know, what the alien makeup would be. You know, if we got to figure out what they're made out of. Uh, then we can do different things. Uh, you know, a lot of, lot of time for brainstorming here. Just give me a budget. Oh, I don't know, 150000 a year? I'll do it for that. Company car. Like an office. Big desk. Oak. And uh, leather couch, leather chair, some fake plants. I don't want the real thing. A couple secretaries, of course. Got to have, well, do they call them secretaries? I don't think so. I don't know what they call them. Anyway, dreaming away here. 
So yeah, 31% think that we should, the uh, UK government should set up a task force to deal with that. Uh, 27% feel there should be a battle plan in place. Again, I think too many movies. 27% feel there should be a battle plan. What kind of a battle plan is that? In case an alien invasion happens soon. When, when it's, I mean, it would have happened last year, I think. My gosh, everything else came crashing down. Uh, 26% of people state they would immediately stock up on supplies. That's an interesting one to look at. I think that's a lie. I think it'd be a lot more than 26%. I mean, my gosh, it's uh, just slightly over a year since people panic bought uh, food, water, toilet paper, and everything else that uh, bulk-wise that they could store and stash in their garage. Of course, you know, that's a global pandemic, but this would be, I think, a little more serious than that because a lot of people didn't care about this. They thought, eh, it's going to blow over, and eh, it's going to go away, and eh, it's the flu, and eh, I don't care, eh, I'm going to go to a party, Yeah, I've got a runny nose. Eh, I can't taste anything. That's okay. But I think this would be a lot more serious than 26%. Uh, 20% say they would just hide at home. I don't know. I think uh, it would almost be 50-50 right there. I think everybody would come out and buy as much as they could. Maybe not buy it. They'd probably smash windows and steal TVs. That's what people do when they get panicky. They, they steal TVs. That's what everybody did when they got their stimmies. They got their stimulus checks. They ran out and bought TVs, kayaks. All kinds of stuff. Goodies. Not needs, wants. Uh, but in a panic, people will steal what they want. And they'll complain about what they need. That they can't buy enough of it. Um... 15% of the participants feel that Earth will be dominated by extraterrestrial life in the next 20 years. And, you know, my generation worried about uh, uh, invasion of Russia or China. But now, gosh, kids are growing up thinking that extraterrestrials are going to take over the United States in the next 20 years. That's crazy. Uh, and yes, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Top the list of the top 20 celebrities who would best deal with alien invasions. I don't know why the uh, the UK would vote Schwarzenegger. I don't know. Maybe it's the movies that uh, he's been in. I, I don't know. How many alien movies? Well, I guess Predator. He did kill the Predator. That was just one. A lot of other action heroes have killed more than one. Uh, so what about, and I was curious about the top, there's top 20. So what about the other 19? Who ranked? Uh, so number two, in case you're wondering like I was, uh, Will Smith, the actor Will Smith, of course, uh, who starred in Independence Day. He killed a lot of aliens. He gave them a cold. If I remember correctly, well, I'm sorry, a virus that wouldn't work, by the way. That's not how things work. See, put me on the committee. I already know this. Um, but not only Independence Day, but he also understood aliens because he was in the Men in Black movies. So I, I think Will Smith's a very good choice. I think he should have been number one, personally. Uh, number three, Sir David Attenborough. And I, I guess, I, I don't know. They don't name why these people were selected. But I, my take is, I, I think he certainly knows a lot about planet Earth. So I, I think that's his strength, is knowing planet Earth. Uh, as he's narrated several features on the various aspects of planet Earth. Uh, number four on the list, Bruce Willis. Again, I don't know why. An, an aging action hero. Not sure is the right choice. Uh, we know him from a lot of movies. Uh, but uh, The Fifth Element and Armageddon, the only two that I can think of. 
uh, that him dealing with space and aliens and stuff that I know of. Uh, number five on the list, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Uh, so he's got Edge of Tomorrow and War of the Worlds on his side. Uh, then, of course, we have number six, Harrison Ford. And it took me a moment. I was like, wait, Harrison Ford. Uh, Harrison Ford. Well, of course. Maybe if we get invaded by Wookiees, he'll save us. And, of course, he did kill replicants in Blade Runner. I know, not quite aliens, but uh, he exposed those robots living amongst humans. So that might uh, play into this, unless he's uh, an alien himself. I don't know. And he did play the president in Air Force One. So he's got that going for him. And yes, Rick in the chat room called it number seven, Sigourney Weaver. Of course, she's already killed some aliens. She knows what she's doing. She's got to shave her head, though, I think, for that. Uh, number eight, I don't get it. Again, this is United Kingdom voting for this. Number eight, former U.S. President Donald Trump. I don't know, maybe because he just cut through the politics and just do what he wants. I don't know, but think about it. He did create the Space Force, so he's got that going for him. Uh, Number nine on the list, uh, Jillian Anderson. Again, kind of another head scratcher, but of course she was on the X-Files, but she was a skeptic on the X-Files. But of course... um, a lot of people may or may not know. I don't know. Uh, but Jillian Anderson, of the two, of her and David Duchovny, who starred on The X-Files, she was actually the believer in real life. And Duchovny was a skeptic, not the other way around, as we saw on the show. But what about Fox Mulder? Where is David Duchovny at? Why is Jillian number nine? Anyway, uh, number 10, other than Attenborough, this is the only uh, – the first – kind of uh, UK presence here, uh, Nicola Sturgeon. And she's the first minister of Scotland and leader of the Scottish National Party since 2014. So most of the people here already are all actors, some of them aging actors. And only our second politician in the top 10. Uh, Number 11, Chris Pratt. Uh, The only Chris Pratt I know is uh, the leader of the Guardians of the Galaxy. So he's got that going for him. And uh, think about it this way. So if we're invaded by an alien race of intelligent dinosaurs, maybe they've got uh, velociraptors as soldiers. I mean, especially if they're blue, he can uh, train them. So he's got that going for him. Uh, We'll keep him in reserve, though. Uh, Number 12, Boris Johnson, Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Got to have more politicians here. Uh, Number 13, uh, Piers Morgan, English broadcaster, among other things. Maybe he'll just lull them to sleep. I don't know. Uh, Number 14, I was excited for this one, William Shatner. Yes, Captain Kirk himself. He killed a lot of aliens when he slept with quite a few as well, but uh, we want to talk about that part. And uh, interesting, made me feel old. I used to watch reruns. My mom made me watch the reruns of the original Star Trek when I was a kid. It was dated back then, but I didn't care. That was a cool show. He turned 90 years old yesterday, March 22nd. Um, so yeah, he was Captain Kirk, but he got got to remember... He did flip out over a monster on the wing of an airplane in the Twilight Zone episode, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. But again, that was in 1963, so eh, I'll give it to him. Uh, Simon Pegg, English actor who plays the latest incarnation of Scotty in the newest Star Trek movies, um, comes in at 15. Of course, he's also taken out superheroes on The Boys. So if you watch that on Amazon Prime, 
or Amazon Video, I should say. Uh, number 16, Tommy Lee Jones. Of course, you got Will Smith. You got to have his partner on the Men in Black. And finally, number 17, David Duchovny. There he is. Fox Mulder makes the list. On uh, number 18, this is another head scratcher. Mel Gibson. <sighs> Mel Gibson. Is this because of Mad Max? Or maybe Braveheart. Maybe he'd be a good leader. A little crazy. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Kamala Harris, number 19, Vice President of the United States. Okay, another politician. And number 20, rounding it out. Well, you got Harris. You got to have Joe Biden, current president of the United States, coming in last. Yeah, why not Putin? I don't know. Should have had Putin in there. I'd back that. I mean, I'd love to see a U.S. list. It would probably be all Avengers. Robert Downey Jr., Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans. Uh, but I think Chuck Norris. Why not? If you're going to have an aging actor, what better one than Chuck Norris? Maybe Liam Neeson. He doesn't take anything from anybody. And if you take it from him, he'll take it back. Uh, taken. Uh, also, he played a Jedi. In Star Wars. That's awesome. So he's been to space. Well, sort of. Uh, what about Keanu Reeves? What about Jason Statham? Vin Diesel? Put the rock in there. Why not put the rock in there? I don't know. Just some fun with uh, belief. Uh, again, it's very unscientific, but it's pretty cool to see that. Uh, but what's really cool... Last story here, kind of UFOs, kind of not. And while the United Kingdom is debating who they're going to elect to help defend Earth, well, Russia is actually building UFOs. Maybe it should be Putin. Yes, they're building their own UFOs. Well, not exactly, because they're identified. We know what they are. I don't know if they've actually flown one yet, but uh, a Russian airship manufacturer, Airship Initiative Design Bureau, Aerosmina, AIDBA, AIDBA, I guess. That's just known as Aerosmina. Sounds easier. Uh, is planning to build a flying saucer-shaped 600-ton payload airship by 2024. It's coming. Coming soon. I want to buy one. Get my hands on one. I got a picture of it here. I'll throw in the chat room real quick. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe. There it is. Um, yeah, it's the first I heard of this. I didn't realize that uh, this technology was, was here. It was coming. And one of the big ideas behind this airship, and I thought, you know, what's the purpose of having this this uh, saucer-shaped thing? But uh, the goal is, is to plan to uh, load and unload from ships from the sky and then transport uh, the cargo directly from these airships to where it needs to go instead of the traditional way of separating these um, trailers on docks and then some of them go on trucks, some of them go to the airport, some of them go on the freeway uh, and just you know going in, into different directions. It's ultimately going to have to go that way anyway. Uh, I could also ease the use or eliminate the use of ports, roadways, and airports for major transportation, such as semi-trucks. So it would, would cut down on a lot of uh, that kind of stuff. But it would take a lot of those flying around. Kind of get kind of boring to see all this stuff. So the big question here, why the saucer shape? Why has it got to be like that? Well, the shape would allow it to be easier to maneuver in crosswinds and allow it to go to locations that helicopters and other aircraft may have trouble with. So I wanted to know, how are they going to fly? Do they have some alien technology? Well, no. Uh, the 600-ton model would have 620,000 cubic meters of helium, as well as superheated air generated by eight helicopter engines. They would be estimated to travel at about 5,000 miles, but only travel at a max speed of 155 miles per hour. That's not very good. Uh, apparently, there are other companies also in the works 
that uh, have saucer-shaped airships as well. So keep your eyes in the skies with that one for sure. Can't wait for that. Um, they'll probably sell a lot of advertising space on those, but we'll see. So again, I will see you next week. Thank you for joining. Thank you for being in the chat room. Thank you for listening. Again, thanks. Uh, but for now, keep your eyes in the skies. Keep looking for these uh, aircraft coming in 2024. Keep your ears in the woods. Make sure there's not a chupacabra coming your way. And keep the hair standing on the back of your neck. And always keep your mind slightly ajar. Don't let your brains fall out, though. Use a little common sense. And above all else, all this advice would be worthless if you just uh, if you stop believing. So don't stop believing. For the Paranormal News Insider, this is Dr. Brian D. Parsons reporting. <laughs>